This message is brought to you by Lighthouse Chapel International, a united denomination originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches. Welcome to the Life Preaching Message, where the Word of God is imparted clearly, practically, and comprehensively. Our aim is to provide a solid foundation, a Bible-based instruction to our church members, to equip them to teach and preach wherever they may be. Join us for a life-changing encounter as you listen to this message. Oh yes, lift up your voice and thank Him. And say, Lord, I have come to worship You. I've come to bow at Your feet. Because there is no God but You alone. Therefore, I come and say thank You for my life. Thank You for a blessed morning. Thank you for all that you have done for me. Thank you for your grace that has abounded. Thank you for your new message that I have received today. I come to you as my father. And I ask that by your spirit, let my life be according to your will and according to your purpose. Holy Spirit, we yield ourselves to hear your voice to hear your guidance, to receive your help. For you are the Spirit of God with us. And we know you are present in our midst to do great things that have been purposed for our lives. We are totally submitted to you as we ask you to have your way in our midst. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. We are grateful for this morning and, uh, and we pray against every demonic work of the enemy against our Christian life and our sweet fellowship and walk with God. Amen. I know that we are, I suspect, I don't know, but I suspect that we can easily go on lockdown again. Do you get it? We can easily go on lockdown again. I don't know whether the powers that be predicted it or confessed it. Do you get it? Because it, this lockdown has been coming long ago without any evidence. Then all of a sudden they find an evidence. <laughs> it's a wonderful thing. But anyway, God is still God. And to all that are listening, to those in orchards, and I understand Oliven is also online. It's a great blessing. Unfortunately, to Oliven, you are catching me in the middle of a series. But anyway, I'll try to recap it so that you can come along. Amen. But what I want to say to us, all of us, is that let us prepare for the worst. I mean, the worst thing that can happen, which is they lock us down. And let us get ourselves into smaller groups, which in this church we call the Basentes. Hallelujah. Do you get it? Or cell system, cell grouping. Belong to a small group where you can meet to encourage and to exalt each other and to pray with each other. 
Are you with me? Because, you see, all of us meeting very big is great. I mean, it's nice. You have the choir singing. Because some smaller groups, nobody's, when they sing, everybody will, will fall down. The anointing will be too big. Because the voices are so off. That even the chief musician himself will not know how to arrange the music. Are you with me? So, it's, it's not, you will not have that privilege of music and everything. So, when we are large and we meet together, it's very nice. You have your choir, you have your praise and worship and everything. But you see, it also makes us prone to attack like we are experiencing it now, that because we were interrupted for about two years from meeting in the manner we were used to, we find that a lot of us have fallen off. Do you get it? A lot of us have fallen off. As if to say that our work with God is a group work. So once there's no group meeting, it's like, of course, you can't run marathon alone. You see, me, I'm running a marathon. No, we run it as a race, a group. Because when you run alone, you are just training. Do you get it? So, yes, in that case. But in the case of working with God, we meet as a group to encourage each other to continue the work. But the real work is an individual work. The real work is the work in your... It's not even a husband and a wife work. It's an individual work. Are you with me? So it should not be affected whether you are locked down or you are locked up or locked in the middle or locked out or locked in, whichever way. It shouldn't affect it. But what happens is that when we don't develop properly, we learn to depend on things that were meant to help us. We learn to depend on them permanently. So their absence creates problems. So what COVID is teaching us is that we need to sit up and do things right in a way that our Individual work is not neglected. Are you with me? Because it is, I tell you, the thing that will lead to your blessing is what God tells you in private. Your, what God will say to you that will lead to your increase, that will lead to your exploits, that will lead to your greatness. Is the one he tells you in private. So if he doesn't get you in the private time, like you and him alone, to talk to, what is happening to you is that you are depriving yourself of that instruction, that idea, that guidance that is going to lead to your great blessing in every way. Are you with me? You see, when he doesn't get you in your private place where he and you is there alone, he will not share the secret behind all the troubles you are going through. 
Because if you know the secret behind all the troubles you are going through, the troubles will cease to be a trouble because they have told you, oh, no, don't, this thing, the, I'm, I'm doing this so that I can divert their attention or so that I can give a reason to actually take you higher. You see, every test has a secret behind. Every situation, every difficulty, there's a secret behind it. You see, it is in your private moment that God will reveal it to you. That this thing is not for your downfall, but it's actually for your elevation. Because the reason why the thing is troubling you, because it's, it's threatening your very goal that you have for life. If, the, if God tells you that this marital problem you are having, this, this whatever difficulty is actually going to lead to your spouse loving you more when the time is come. You will stop, you stop being agitated and being depressed and losing weight and all those things. Do, do you get it? Because you know that, ah, this thing. You see, Satan will tell you the negative of the truth. Satan will tell you that this thing is going to finish you. Satan will tell you that this thing is, you see, you say you serve God. Look at what is happening to you. But you see, that private conversation with God will tell you that, don't worry, I am still in charge. Satan, whatever Satan is telling you, it's a complete lie. I am still in charge. And I'm just using Satan to do my agenda. Yeah. So I want you to remember this, that your private time with God must never be replaced by anything. I said your private time with God must never be replaced by anything because it is in that private moment that the secrets are revealed to you. Because that is when you are giving heads up on what is happening. That is why when things are explained to you that, oh no, this thing is not what they think it is. It's actually here. Yeah. You see, that is what Jesus knew. He had that private time with God, even when he became a man. I'm not talking about when he was in heaven. But when he became a man, we constantly hear the Bible tell us how he went to pray. And I can tell you that it's not all the time Jesus went to pray that was mentioned in the Bible. But is that what, what has been mentioned was the, like the key ones, the highlight ones. They get it? But definitely he had his moments when he would talk to God privately. So when situations even come up, he doesn't tell God about the situation. He just thanks him. And at a point he will even say, oh, I'm just thanking you loudly for them to hear. That it's actually you who are doing the thing. But me and you, we know who is doing the thing. Are you, are you understanding what I'm trying to say? So I want you to fight. You see, let us not just think that, oh, it's COVID, it's this. The real thing that the enemy wants to steal from you is that information that God will give you. That help that God will give you against him. 
That's what he wants to steal. And you see, he, he has deceived us already to think that our real help from God, God is when we meet as a group. Do you get it? So he has set, most Christians today have been set up to, it's like our Christianity is a group Christianity. And now having set us up in that way, is now beginning to attack the very thing he has deceived us to build. Do you get it? So why, why should, think about it. Why should you backslide as a Christian if there's no gathering? I mean, that there's no gathering doesn't mean that there's no Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is not in a shop or in a place where we must all go. He's in you. So if you, if you are you, you are alive, you are well. You have everything you need. So why, what, give me one reason why you should backslide. I'm asking you, give me one reason why you should backslide. I, I find no reason why you should backslide because there's no Sunday meeting or there's no gathering. No, no. Because all that I need is, is with me. So, gathering or no gathering, I'm pressing on. And that is what we must learn. I said, that is what we must learn. And learn it in a way that, first of all, if there's nobody and I'm left alone, I still will have time with God. I still will be a Christian. Number two, you need to learn how to relate with a small group of people just for the purpose of encouragement. Because sometimes the Lord will teach you something. Or the Lord will tell you to do something. But you can't do that thing in a vacuum. You need people to do it with. So at least if you have your small group of a practice ground, that's good. That's good if you have your small group. Because you see, for example, God will give you an instruction to forgive. You need one or two people to offend you. No, you don't need a lot. You just one or two. So if you have your small group, like your laboratory, do you get it? Like your laboratory, your cell. So see your cell group as a laboratory. A lab where you implement your findings, private findings with God. Do you get it? And that's what a small group is very difficult to, to, to break them because of the existence of families. So you can't lock us down to the point that you say, you, you can't, you, a family cannot be together. That's right. And unless I tell you I don't stay here, you will never know when I go to visit you, I come to your house that, I mean, that one is unenforceable. They can't even enforce it. That's right. That's right. So that is all. We need that small lab that cannot be eradicated in terms of the cell system, the cell, cell group, a group of about eight people. Where we relate so that we can exhibit the advice, the instructions that God gives to us. That's all. If everything opens and then one Sunday we can come together and celebrate and be happy, encourage ourselves, no more people, glory be to God. But with, without it, we should not be affected. Are you with me? We should not be affected. And now these days, so thank God for technology. It, listen, if you are having you yourself and your private time with God is working. The small group will work. 
And then when we meet with technology as a large group, it will still work. Because, yes, I know that sometimes you want to hear your pastor's voice. You hear, want to hear your pastor's preaching. No problem. They have developed the technology to overcome the lockdown. So we, stand, we sit at one place. We have not gathered, but we have gathered through technology. You can hear your pastor's voice. But you see, your pastor's voice is just a top-up. Or should just be a top-up. But the real voice is the one you get in private with God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. So let us make sure that we all belong to a cell group. And for the pastors in the various churches, orchards and uh, Oliven, please let's make sure that we have clear cell groups that are working to prepare ourselves for what is about to come. Amen. Amen. Good. And I believe God is going to bless us. I don't know why I'm saying what I'm saying, but I feel it's an important truth that I must say. Amen. Good. So this morning, let's press on. Uh, last week, I shared on, what did I share on? Choices, isn't it? I shared on, like, the choices we make. And, you know, recently, I've had the opportunity to share with my, the young men in my house. That's my two, my son and my nephew. Uh, about decisions we take. And I was explaining to them that at the age of 14 years, I almost mentioned a year. <laughs> it's like somebody who, a woman who was asked, how old are you? And she said, I don't tell people my age. I don't mention my age anymore. And she said, since I was 12 in 1973, I've stopped mentioning my age. She said, since 12 years, when, when I was 12 in 1973, I've stopped mentioning my age. <laughs> you know? So I almost also did the same thing. But, I mean, most of you know my age, so it's not a problem. And I, I have nothing to hide about my age. You see, when, when we were young, or when I was young, I always fought to add a year or two to my age because the people around me were older. So I, I don't know why children do that thing. Oh, I argued with them, no, I'm nine. They say, you are not nine, you are six. Yeah, I think I was eight, I was, I was seven. And I was fighting to be nine. <laughs> And you see, now, I, think I have enough years not to feel shy to mention it. <laughs> because all through my life, I've always been the youngest in the group. Almost everywhere I am, I've always been the youngest. And sometimes it's not nice. I don't know why we are conscious of age. I say, ah, you are a small boy. So all the time. So you keep fighting to, to, to not be a small boy. Then, funny enough, after you have amassed enough years, you keep fighting not to be old. <laughs> you know, but that's, that's how life is. It's interesting. 
So I was telling them that I stand where I stand today as their father and able to provide for them within reasonable limits their needs because of a decision that I made at the age of 14 years. It's a choice. I made a choice at the age of 14 years. And you see, at that time, I was in, I think, secondary school, maybe the halfway in the secondary school. So, I felt the need for me to study, to learn. But where I was staying, that's where I was staying with my mother and my siblings, there was only one room, and there's no other area to go and study, like to come out and study. So I made a decision to go and stay with my auntie, who had a house. It's an estate house. They had a compound. There's, there's a, a, a place to sit, even in the veranda, where you can sit at night and study. But what it meant was that I was going almost one hour journey away from school. Meanwhile, where we stayed with my mother and my siblings was just about five minutes away from the school. You know, I didn't understand what I had done, but it was like I was just determined that, listen, I need a place that I can study. Here, I can't stay and study. But my sister, who was just a year behind, a year and a half after me, did not make that choice. And her life turned out differently. Meanwhile, in, academically, she was better than myself. Academically, she was better in terms of schoolwork, passing exams, and things. She did better in our early years. Now, so I took this, so I was explaining to them that, you see, your life, I was telling them because, you see, sometimes they think they are playing you. When they sit behind the table and they have a tablet and they are on other areas, they give you an impression that we are studying. But meanwhile, when the exam results come, it's not impressive. And because you think they are studying, you don't disturb them by giving them a lot of house chores to do. Because in, in my time, there's nothing like you are studying so you are not disturbed. The world has changed. Civilization or what, whatever we call it has taken us backwards. But you don't, you don't, you don't, there's no way. You do all the work in the house. Then before you study, I mean, there was nothing like washing machine. You are the washing machine. You are the washing machine. There was nothing like a washing machine. You are the washing machine. There's nothing like a dishwasher. You are, you are it. You are the dishwasher. And I look at them and they are... So, I, I mean, I had to, because they are past the age where you want to beat them. They are past that age. So now you have to talk to them. So I was telling them that, listen, I made a choice at the age of 14 to go further away from school 
So that every morning I have to walk one hour when I could be walking five minutes. And the reason is so that I could have time to study. And I can see that today it, it has, you see, one small choice you make, which looks like you are sacrificing, will go a long way to affect you in ways that you cannot imagine. And it, it all depended on me. Decide, you see, the provisions in terms of the schooling, the school fees and everything has been made. The facility was there. My auntie was willing to have me in the house. But I had to pay a price to make that decision, that choice. That instead of staying where I'm staying, with all the comfort of easy walk to school, of really, because where I was staying, I was the first of five children. So I don't wash dishes. Even my clothes, I didn't have to wash it. So it was like I was moving away from a place of comfort, a place of ease, of doing whatever I needed to do, to a place of difficulty in order to be able to just do that one thing which is needful. Just that one thing which was the all that I needed in my life to change everything. Everything. When I say everything, everything. Because from that stage, when I started to study, the intelligence was there already. All I needed was a place, a private place where I could study. And that has changed my life from a life of a beggar to a life of at least having what I need to eat. And I need to be responsible as a father. So I was telling them that, you see, what you are having, I didn't have it. But I had to make a decision for you to have what you are having. And you also must make a decision so that the children that will come out of your loins would have what you didn't have. And I tell them, it's not for me. Now, in the same way, you see, as Christians, we don't understand this. That our work with God is a work of choices. And God is not oblivious. In other words, God is not blind that our work with him has challenges. He's aware. I said he's aware. So this morning, I want to continue from where I left off last week about what Jesus said. Because you see, what Jesus said is very, or what Jesus, okay, yeah, what Jesus said is more important than anybody else's voice. Because Jesus is God with us. When he came, he was Emmanuel, God with us. 
And he knows everything. He knows what we, whatever is happening. You see, Ecclesiastes, I was looking for that verse. But I, 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 had, I listened to it this week, but I couldn't find the exact verse. Where it is like, he has, he has put in man's heart. Said that we are moving up and down. Going about, trying to do this, and yet we don't even understand what we are doing. Yeah, you, you, you think you understand what you are doing? I said, do you think you understand what you are doing? You see, that's, it, it always looks like that. If you've ever written an exams before, you understand what I'm trying to point out. That as you are writing the paper, you are answering the question, you never thought that you were writing rubbish. I mean, I'm, just check it, just check it. When you are answering the questions, you are writing, writing, writing. It was only when the mass came that you discovered that, ah, I thought I knew the answer, but that you didn't know the answer. You see, I wish I could find that verse. But it's in Ecclesiastes, the first few chapters. You see, what it is is that we are human beings moving around like an electron or like, like a molecule of gas moving. When they do the science and you check the movements of particles and things, it's very interesting. So it's like we are moving around all over the place thinking we are going somewhere. But you see, God who knows everything knows that these people, they don't know where they are going. They don't know what they are doing. Neither do they know what I am even doing. But somehow, we, we, look, there's very few human beings feel that would ever say that they don't know what they are doing. Oh, yeah. God, ah, when I wake up in the morning, I go to work, I get money, I buy food, I buy cars, I move around, I make children, I, whatever I want, I get to do. But the overall picture, what are you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Because death shows to us all. That after you've done all these things, it's like, then what? I mean, there's one particular person that I always keep reflecting on after his passing away. Because I've known him from the day I entered this country. He was the one that actually took me from the airport to his house because I knew nobody in South Africa. And his death always keeps ministering to me. It's like, so what, what is life about? Is that all? Okay, he did this, he did this, and then died. That's all. Oh. There must be something more meaningful to life than just to live and die. But you see, we will never know. Oh, actually, I can't find that verse. There's, there's 8, there's 8.17 that says man does not know what God is doing. But there's another verse earlier that talks about man even not knowing what he's doing.
No, this one is the one that talks. That one is God says that man doesn't know what he, God, is doing. Do you get it? And there's an equivalent verse in, I think, Isaiah 40, verse 8 also, also, that who can know, who can understand the ways of... No, that's not it. There's another verse. No, no. There's another verse. I'll look for it. When I find it, I'll, I'll... But you see, basically, we are moving around not knowing what God or what we are doing. Even we, we ourselves. We think we know. We think we know. But the truth is we don't know. There, and why am I saying this? I'm saying this to, to listen to the voice of Jesus. I'm saying this so that you don't think that the voice of Jesus is almost the same as your voice. You see, when you are writing an exam, if you were to know that what you are writing is going to get you 2 over 10, you will want to listen to who else's voice or who else can tell me what to write that can get me 8 over 10? But what happens is that because you don't know that what you are writing is going to get you 2 over 10, if God sends another voice at the beginning of the exam or even in the middle of the exam, that what you are writing is going to get you 2 over 10, but write this, you will not believe it. I mean, you see children, or sometimes you yeah, children, they argue that, no, what I'm saying is right. And this person will say, no, what I'm saying is right. Because everybody thinks they are right. But you see, with Jesus, he knows everything. And so my duty this morning is to tell you that your life is made up of choices. But don't just choose. Choose what Jesus says. Reason, reason, because he knows all things. That's right. He knows what will get you 10 over 10. I said he knows what, you, what will get you 10 over 10. So, in Matthew, is it 7 or so, it said that we should enter ye or we should, we should enter at the straight gate and tells us that that gate is straight, it's small, it's narrow, and the road that it's leading out to is a narrow road, but the end of it is, is good. I think in Ecclesiastes 7, 8 or so, it says, better is the end of a thing. Either 7, 8 or 7, 18. It says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning. It says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning. Are you there? Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. 
And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. You see, the patient in spirit is, is the person who says, I don't know, so let me do what I've been told to do. The proud in spirit will say, ah, I know what I'm doing. Why are you trying to tell me what to do? I know what is good for me. So it's like, as I stood here and I spoke to you about your private life with God, is a place of everything you need. And therefore, fight to have it. And if anything, a smaller group becomes a laboratory for, for implementation of the instructions you have received from God. These two, your private time with God and the cell group, where is the lab, the laboratory where you implement the instructions of God? These two groups are your most important groups. That must, it's like these two groups must never disappear out of your life. Your time with God and that small group. Yeah. They can take away the mass gathering. It should still not change anything about you. Yeah. You see, but you say, ah, I know what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not going to join any small group. I'm not going to have any private time. I'm busy. I hear you. I hear you. You discover it. So you see, Solomon, who was given wisdom above all human that existed, is saying to us, better is the end of a thing than the beginning. Now, we meet God who tells us that we should enter at the straight gate and the narrow road. We enter at the straight gate and walk on the narrow road. Then he tells us that there's also another gate that is broad. I think it's Matthew 7, 20 something. Change to Matthew 7. Enter ye, enter ye at the straight gate. For broad is the way. Do you get it? So here, listen carefully. This is, this is where the message is. This is where, if you get this point, then I can explain the further points I want to make. You see, we have been told by somebody who was like us. I mean, if Solomon married thousand women, then I'm sure you, you are a miniature version of him. Because I don't think you can do thousand. Lawrence. No, 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 no. I, even two is a problem. No, I don't think, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind if the opportunity was there to try a few, but not thousand. No, 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 no. No, no, maybe one or two, but no, 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 no. As a thousand, you must be, you must be really, ah, why? Don't you do anything else? Why, are you, are you entertaining the women? That, that's a career. <laughs> I mean, thousand, but you see, he, so, so what I'm trying to say is that it's not like an angel. You see, if Jesus is the only one I'm talking about, Jesus, sometimes you don't get the feeling that he's like you, even though he's like us. We don't get that feeling because we can't see any of the things we do. 
that he did. He was tempted, but he didn't fall for it. But we, we are not tempted. We actually, we are actually in it. That we don't need a temptation to, to be in it. We just walk in it straight. Even if Satan was out on lunch, we would break the door to enter. Do you get it? So sometimes I want to compare myself with Jesus. But it's like, mm, it doesn't... I mean, it, it, has, it only compares by faith. Do you get it? But as for Solomon, I know that this guy, I, if, if I'm grade one, he was grade 10. Do you get it? So I can compare my, And this is the person who is saying, better is the end of a thing than the beginning. Do you get it? Now, we see Jesus, who is God with us, tell us to choose to enter the straight gate and to walk on the narrow road. And then he tells her the other option is a broad gate or a wide gate. And the road is broad. And many people choose it. Do you get it? But if we were to listen to the advice of Solomon, we would realize that what Jesus said it's actually what we must do. Because Jesus said the end of the narrow road is life and peace. And the end of the wide gate and the broad road is destruction. Are you with me? So the truth is that Jesus is not cannot lie to us. And Solomon is saying that you are better off having lived, having had the wisdom and having it exactly like us. Saying that the end of a thing is better than the beginning. It means that the advice Jesus is giving us or the instruction Jesus is giving us to choose to enter the narrow gate, the, the, the straight gate and the narrow road is actually the best advice. Because the end is what everybody will want. Now, now, the challenge is not that we don't want to choose. The challenge is that because of the state in which we are and because of our old nature, and the baggage of the flesh. The broad road is very enticing. I said the broad road is very enticing. And the presence of the broad road makes the narrow road difficult to, to remain on. It makes the narrow road quite you see, if there was only one road, if there was only one road, which is the narrow road, we would not have a problem. This is the only road we have. You see, going to Polokwane from here, I have many roads, but I always choose the highway, even though it has tolls. Because, you see, it gives me the peace of mind 
and the safety that I'm looking for. But the alternative roads, if they were the only ones that were there, I would just go on it, whether it's difficult or not. But the presence, you see, the presence of alternatives makes a good choice very difficult. I said the presence of alternatives makes a good choice very difficult. And that is why I realized that it was the grace of God when I made the decision to go further away from my school in order to have a place I can study. It is only now in my, I made this decision over 30 years ago, or 30 some, about almost, almost 40 years ago. That's when I made that decision. Now I can see that that decision was good because now I can taste the fruit of that decision. But at that time, I could only say that it was not because I was wise, but it is because of probably what God has in mind for me. You know, sometimes God makes you choose the right thing. Not because you are wise, but because of his plans and purposes for your life. Oh, yeah. And that is why in everything we must give him thanks. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm, I'm pressing on as we understand that, you see, the, the presence of alternatives is what makes the right choice quite challenging. Now, remember this. Remember this. All the reasons that would make you and me choose the broad road all the reasons, all the enticements that would make you and me prefer the broad road has to do with the comfort that it brings to our flesh. Check it. I said, all the reasons that would make you and me find the broad road enticing has to do with the comfort of our flesh. And Satan knows it too. I said, and Satan knows it too. So let me say this to you. I will not be with you every time you have to make a choice. You see, all the days of your life, you are making choices. And by these choices, you are either staying on the narrow road or going to the broad road. Jesus is constantly pulling you to stay on the narrow road because he's, he's come so that you have life. And the road to life is the narrow road. Satan's presence is your distraction. And the end of the broad road is distraction. 
everybody knows. The two game changers, they know it. You and I are the ones who, are, who doesn't seem to know everything. You and I are the ones that now are struggling. Now, every decision that you have to make in your life, this is a guide. Ask yourself, who benefits? Is it your spirit or for that matter, the Holy Spirit or is it your flesh? Oh, yes. Who benefits? Who is the one calling for a change? Or who is the one calling for this choice? And sadly, most of us don't question who it benefits. And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to tell you that sowing to your flesh will benefit your flesh. And sowing to the, to the Holy Spirit will benefit you as a person. Amen. The real you, your soul. Yeah. So, as we walk on the road, remember I said, life is made up of the summation of the choices you make. And the choice you have been told to make is the choice of the narrow road. Now, Satan knows it, and he will draw you by questioning and by making you aware that the narrow road is uncomfortable, but it is uncomfortable for your flesh. The broad road is comfortable, but it's comfortable to your flesh. The subject matter in the discussion of Satan with you is about your flesh. The subject matter in the discussion of God with you is about your spirit or your soul. So they are both, you see, listen, they are both talking about two different things. They are both talking about two different things. God's concern is your soul. Satan's concern is your flesh. Yeah, remember this. I said, remember this. Because, I, like I'm telling you, I will not always be there when you have to make the decision. So I have to give you the marking scheme. Amen. I have to give you the template with which you look at with, what are you doing. So when you have to make a decision, remember this. When Satan tells you that God doesn't care about you, what he's saying is that God doesn't care about your flesh. He's not, he's not you. Because it's, it's not you. Your flesh would perish. The real you will march on to wherever it will spend eternity. And the real blessing of your life comes from your soul, not your flesh. The real blessing of your life comes from your soul, not your flesh. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? Yeah. 
And therefore, therefore, it is sad if you allow the comfort of your flesh to govern your life. Or, put it this way, to govern your choices. Hallelujah. That's all. If you can understand this, you will not have a difficulty. Oh, yeah, if you can understand it, you have a... You see, because every time Satan... Every time... You see, Satan will not identify himself as Satan. No, he will never. But the real person that he will use as a front is your flesh. It's your flesh. The real person he will use as a front is that... No, listen... This thing, when you do it, you'll be comfortable. When he says you'll be comfortable, ask him, who is, who, which of me will be comfortable? Which of the me will be comfortable? If I do this, will my soul be comfortable? Or is my flesh? Because God has said, through his Holy Spirit, by the mouth of Paul, or by the writing of Paul, that don't be deceived. Whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. Whatsoever a man sows, he shall reap. Now, if you sow to the flesh, you shall of the flesh reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, not even to your spirit, to the Holy Spirit. So if you make time to allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to talk to you, if you make time to know the Holy Spirit, His voice, His guidance and everything, you will be sowing to the Spirit. And the result is Life everlasting. You see, obviously, what I see here is that what I think is life is not what is life to God. Obviously. Because as far as I'm concerned, life is growing up, making children, having work, going, getting a job, moving up and down, up and down, up and down, boom, and then you die one day and the children continue from there. That's what I, I understand as life. But when I look at it, I re realize that when God talks about life, it's different from what I talk about life. Now, whose is correct? Uh, obviously, you should, know, you should know the answer. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't need... Even if you are against God, you still vote for him on this one that he's right. Yeah. Because, listen, like I said, I've summarized this message. Like I said, the broad road, it's all about your flesh. The comfort of your flesh. I mean, which one is nicer? To sleep or to wake up and pray? Especially when it's cloudy.
Do you get it? Yeah. I mean, sleep, even if you don't sleep and just lying in bed, will always be nicer than anything else. And especially if you have your spouse with you and it's not the quarreling type of relationship. I have to qualify it. Very nice. (laughs) The presence of a spouse or the niceness of the presence of a spouse has to do with whether the relationship is quarrelsome or sweet fellowship. Even the quarrelsome ones, sometimes it works. Well, I'm not sure. I think I'll better dwell on the corner of a rooftop than to lie in bed. No, 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 no. I like the rooftop. It may be hard to perch there, but I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> It may be cold up there with the wind, but I'll try. No, 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 <laughs> no. I think I'm okay. <laughs> Do you get it? But, but think about it. What about we feel like doing? Even sexually, drinking and all those things. Who benefits? It's the flesh. All those things are to the flesh. But you see, with that, you are being made to walk on a road that leads to distraction. So don't struggle with the difficulty of choosing. Your struggle with the difficulty of choosing has to do with your non-recognition of the two pillars under discussion. Do you get it? If you become mindful that this broad road is, it benefits my flesh and the flesh takes me nowhere, you will not struggle in saying no to the flesh and going for the spirit. Because that decision, as I look now with, on the hindsight, to go and stay at my auntie's place, the person who was suffering is my flesh. Because it is the flesh, it's the legs that have to walk all the way. But the person to benefit is my soul because it was the mind that was being developed. By my studying and reading, it was my mind that was being developed. And over the years, it is the developed mind that has answered the needs of my life. Yes. Whenever you sow to the spirit, again, it is the mind that, is, that will be developed. Amen. It is the mind. Yeah. Your soul made up of your emotion, your will, and your mind. But as you sow to the Holy Spirit, through your spirit, all these parts of you, your emotion will be a stable emotion. Let me tell you something. Do you know that your emotions is governed by your thoughts? Did you know that? The way you feel has to do with your thoughts. 
<laughs> I don't think you, you are aware. The way you feel has to do with your thoughts. Uh-huh. You feel depressed. You feel down and low when your thoughts are thoughts that leads to that feeling. Did you know that? It didn't occur to you. You see, Satan doesn't have access to your emotions, but has access to your thoughts. And through your thoughts, he governs your emotions. So negative thoughts, thoughts that are not right, influence the way you feel. You can never feel depressed when your thoughts are thoughts that are positive. Thoughts that are accomplishment, like accomplishing thoughts. You can't feel depressed. It is when your thoughts get negative that depression sets in. Remember, the Holy Spirit and the devil, God and the devil, the battle for you is the battle of who controls your mind. So, listen, listen. If you sow to the Spirit, the Spirit through your spirit will take control of your thoughts. That is going to affect every bit of your emotion. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. And you see, once your thoughts keep your emotions correct, everything will work for your life. Everything will work for your life. Because, you see, when your emotions are correct, you'll be praising God all the way. You'll be thankful to God. You'll be joyous. And many things are just going to fall in place. Even your words are not words of negativity, but they are words of, it will work out. I will make it. I cannot fail. This condition will not last forever. It is but for a moment. There is hope ahead. There is more to come than what I have seen. The better days are yet to come. You see, that, those are the languages you'll be talking. But you see, when your thoughts are negative through the enemy, even great things will be happening, but you can't appreciate it. One of my works as a pastor is seeing people that from where I stand, things are working. But they, you, when they talk, they say nothing is working. And I'm saying, which one is the nothing that is working? 
Don't you see that this thing that you are doing, more people are coming. Don't you see that more people are being caged? Don't you see that the people are together? Don't you see that there's happiness? Why are you saying you are good for nothing? What else do you want to be good for? And the result is that when that negative thought comes, I'm good for nothing, then why should I control myself? And they go around just sleeping around like dogs. Just sleeping with anything that avails itself. And I say, look at you. Things, I'm telling you, not one, not two. I, I have names to the examples I'm talking about. I have names. It's not, it's not imaginary. And I'm saying, look at you. You have gifts that I will pay to have it if it was payable. And you are saying you are good for nothing. Really? Even me, giftless, I mean, giftlessness, I'm still trying something. And you have a gift, a tangible gift. And you are saying you are good for nothing. But it's because the thoughts are controlled by the enemy. And the negative thoughts are there. Do you get it? Yeah. And that is why Satan would always, you see, the, on the broad road, you sow to the flesh. The broad road gives attention to the flesh. The narrow road gives attention to your sowing to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So stop comparing them. Because one leads to life, one leads to destruction. They don't lead to the same place. You see, you, you must compare things that lead to the same place. You see, when I compare the highway to Polokwane and the R101 to Polokwane, I'm comparing the same, I'm comparing the same, the different roads to the same destinations. Therefore, it's comparable. But how do you compare two roads to different destinations? What comparison, what are you comparing? Think about it. I said, think about it. What are you comparing? Because the ends of them are different. And hence, the two roads are different. Listen, the Savior. Put me to Matthew chapter 7. I think verse 13. The Savior says, choose this way. The Savior says, your life is made up of choices. Or your life is made up of the choices you make. I'm not leaving you in confusion. My help to you as your Savior is to tell you what choice to make. Would you choose it? I said, would you choose it? Or you just maintain your road? You can enter God's kingdom. That's the place where God rules. Through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad. Its gates is wide. 
for the many who choose that way. Remember, when you have to wake up in the morning to pray, it's a choice. Who would choose for you? Who would choose for you? Or who would you choose for? Are you voting for your flesh? Or you want to vote to sow into the spirit? You see people, they are spoken to or spoken with to give their life to Jesus. And it's like, you are robbing them of pleasure. No, no. You are not being robbed of pleasure. You are being invited to make the choice that will be a blessing to you and to your life. You are being given an opportunity to enter into a relationship with the one through whom you will receive God's involvement in your life whilst here on earth. And with the one through whom you will receive a change of locations from a place of hell to a place of blessing, which is heaven. Yeah, that's, that's what Jesus is to us. Don't look at the many sins you have to give up. To reject Jesus. Yeah. Don't look at it. I said, don't look at it. Look at the end. Because Ecclesiastes says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Yeah. And I want you to know that there is a price for every choice you make. At the age of 14 years, the choice I made to go one hour away from school that I have to attend Monday to Friday as against staying five minutes away, I'm reaping the benefit of it up to today. My siblings who didn't make that choice are also reaping the benefit of whatever they chose up to today. I thank God for the choice I made because at least my children are not cursing God for giving them such a father. Neither is my wife praying to God, why me? Yeah, yeah. Because some of us, whoever gets to choose us would be cursing their stars and say, oh, Lord, I prayed always. I sought your face. But is that the best I could do? And the reason for this prayer is because they chose you as a husband or as a wife. It's not because God took them to hell. Because they just chose you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some wives are crying to God that did I deserve this? Why didn't you just leave me alone or give me the power to be alone? If this was what you were going to give me, 
and some husbands are praying, Lord, you said a woman is a helper, but this one, I don't know. I don't, if this is what you call help, then I don't want the help. Alone. I don't want the help again. Because this one is not a helper. This one is a drain. It's a manhole. Yeah. But you see, it's all because of the choices. I said it's all because of the choices we make. Listen to me. I invite you to choose Jesus if you haven't chosen Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Because truly, he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. Whoever you are. But to those that have chosen Jesus, I want you to believe that what he says is what will happen. And he says, the narrow road leads to life. So everything that you need to do because you are walking on a narrow road, don't think of the price you are paying now. Think of the reward that awaits your life. And you will soon discover that even the benefit that you will get starts from here. It starts from here. Not there. Not at the end. Because he loves you so much. And therefore has not left you without any help. Knowing the road is narrow. He has made abundant provision for your life to be able to walk on the narrow road. He has not left you without helper. He told the disciples, I will not leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you comfortless. But I'm going so that another comforter would come and he will be with you. And he shall be in you and will be with you till the end to make you walk on the road that I have called you to walk on. Yes. Jesus and our God is a caring father. He will not ask us to walk on a road knowing it's a difficult road without making a provision for that road. So don't let the enemy allow you or deceive you to say that this road is too difficult. The only reason why the road keeps being difficult is because you are not tapping into the help that is meant for your life. If you were tapping into the help that is meant for your life, you would discover that in fact it is the nicest road to walk on. It may be narrow, but it's the nicest because there's abundant help, there's abundant grace for your life to keep you on that road. I said to keep you on that road. Let us not behave like we are being made to choose a road that is difficult and we have a father who is loveless and doesn't care about us. But we have a father who cares. We have a father who loves and has provided for us. As the disciples were very sorrowful of his departure, he told them that I will not leave you comfortless. I have a comforter for you. I have a helper. I have a helper. The word comforter is the same word that is 
helper, paraclete, somebody who is to help you to walk on that road. Because it's a good road. You may not have what it takes to walk on it by yourself, but I've, I'm, I'm leaving you with a helper. You're not tapping into the helper is the only reason for our struggle. But today, we have decided. Today, we have made a choice to sow to the Spirit. We have made a choice to tap into the helper that he may help us to walk on the road that will lead to life. That he may help us to walk on the road that will release to us the provisions of our Father for this life. For he has not called us to disgrace us, but he has called us to glorify himself in our lives. Let's rise to our feet. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Lift up your voice and begin to pray to the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. You who sees and you who knows. You who loves us. And you who is with us all the time. We thank you for this morning. You have not called us to leave us. You have not brought us this far that I will drown. No, no way. But you have called us with help to glorify yourself in our lives. To show yourself strong on our behalf. Whatever difficulty we have met is because we have not done our part into tapping into the help that you have given to us. Today we make a choice to sow to the Spirit. To sow to the Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, there may be many that will choose that broad way. But we are not concerned about the many. We are concerned about what you said. What you said. You said, choose ye the narrow way. Therefore, we are choosing to stay on the narrow way. Having entered into the straight gate that is through you, we shall remain on the road that you lead us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Marakatayano Sikalababa. Oh. Thank you. We believe you've been blessed by this message. To stay connected, follow our LCI social media platform.